episode of the Better Two Podcast is brought to you by Kitty Mystic and DM Needham, author of My Days with the Dark Muse, as well as Love is Worth Waiting For. Hi, gang. Donna here. Thanks for tuning into the Better Two Podcast. Today's guest is a familiar voice slash face if you're watching on YouTube. We had a guest a while back, and she talked about her book called The Making of a Woman, and her name was Jules A., but today we slip into a different hat. Today, Miss Jules is with us and she will talk about being a dominatrix. She explains the difference in dominatrix, you know, that there's a femdom and then there's the dominatrix that we all know, the dominatrix that is seen in many videos and, you know, the cultural image of a dominatrix of what you think she should be. So we dig deep into that and we talk, of course, about a lot of different things, including trauma. And uh, yeah, so check it out and enjoy. Hi, Jules. How are you doing? Hey, girl. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good, except I really should introduce you differently because you're Miss Jules. And there's a reason why I need to introduce her this way, people. You guys may have seen her episode of Making of a Woman or heard her episode And while Jules and I were talking, it came out that Jules is a dominatrix. So I thought, you know, with the popularity of books like Fifty Shades of Grey and it portrayed in the media, that maybe we should actually talk to somebody that knows the skinny about being a dominatrix. So (laughs) turn it over to Jules. Tell us a little bit about who you want. (laughs) Well, um, I can start by saying I I didn't grow up thinking this is what I wanted to do when I grew up. Like this is not, um, that was not on my wish list of things to, to do in my life. Um, But as you remember from my, my, my first interview, our first conversation, you know, a lot of my story was about like turning inward and, and really just doing an examination of like, who am I and how do I function in the world around me? So that was very much in my scopes and in, in, for me to actually recognize this side in me is within my sexual preferences, you know? And again, that was many layers deep to find that authentic self. And so while doing so, um, I, I, I initially I hit bouts of like, Oh, this might not be healthy or, Oh, maybe I just need to keep digging. Maybe I need to heal more, right? Like mm-hmm. if this is turning me on, maybe I need to heal more. And so I really got into the whole shame of, of, of the way I was made up. And so, and, but I don't stop, right? That's what I, I don't just say, okay, right. you win. I will, you know, conform to you. So I continued that journey and I continued to, you know, I read the history about it. Um, and it, it's just, I mean, it's been around forever in just the dynamics of, um, of, a, of a dominant and a submissive, you know, this, this goes way back to um, like, well, not way back, but even now today, like amongst the Leatherman community. I mean, it's, it's, it's prominent everywhere. And I think we just take on different shapes of it, right? Because I could sit here and tell you, this is my truth. This is the way it is. But it's not that case. It's everybody has a different angle at it, right? So what I can do here is I can share my angle, right? right. With, with you. So I, that's, that's my little, my little preface, right? Like, I don't know it all. I only know what I've experienced. <laughs> well, well, the person that says they know it all, 
yes. you're in trouble right there because oh, there's God. always something new to learn. Always. <laughs> totally. Now being a feminine, a female in the dominant position already takes me out of the mainstream. Okay. So we, we typically, typically think of like the masculine being the dominant one. And, and let's differentiate between, you know, genders and, and the energies, right? So just because I'm a man doesn't mean that I have to be masculine. And right. also because I'm a woman doesn't mean I have to be feminine. We have that yin and yang of the masculine feminine within all of us. We get to choose what, to what degree we experience or express either side. So for me to be a very feminine woman expressing uh, more of the, we'll say the dominant energies, but all underneath that feminine cape. Okay. So there's a little bit, and here's how I can kind of bring you in with that one is if you think back and let's just say we all had perfect mothers. Let's, let's just say that. Okay. <laughs> Okay, there she is. Um, there she is, my perfect mother. You know, she is very loving, but she's very corrective. She corrects you for, for your best, your best interest, right? So it's that kind of, for me, it's that, it's that correcting, that stern, you know, approach, but in a loving manner. Now, something else that, uh, that I'd like to clear up is that the word dominatrix there, of course, we have boxes. The world is full of boxes. I'm a boxless person, but this one I have to kind of get into a box. Um, the word, like, when you think of a dominatrix, it's on the one side of the spectrum. So this is a woman who is leather clad. It's very much like I, and this is my perception, but this is like, you know, she's always in the dungeon. She's just, this, this is her lifestyle. It's like real harsh. Heels. Right? And so then, but we, like, if we go further, you know, on the other side of that spectrum, we have things such as a femdom, a female dominant. This is where I fall into. I am a femdom. And so as a femdom, I tend to uh, draw in typically submissive men who enjoy being kind of under that umbrella that we just described um, of being under that, I'm going to give her the power and, and she'll discipline me if, if I muff up or, you know, I'm going to give her, like, I'm going to give them, this is what I need you to do for me. You know, I'm going to give you an assignment and then you need to show me proof that you've completed the assignment, you know? So there's, there's a lot more for me. I feel as me being a femdom, I shifted more up into my head, into the psyche aspect of it, opposed to more of the physical, this is a one-time session or, you know, we go to this space and, and have this, this session where mine is, I can, I can take this anywhere mm -hmm. and I can also take it into that dungeon. But I th as a femdom, I'm a little bit more flexible and I have, a, I feel I have a lot more fun. <laughs> so I'm, bi I'm biased on that one. <laughs> Do you think that men seek you out because they lack something in their relationship with their mother? I mean, I know that sounds really weird for some people, oh, but. Yeah. Let's totally go there. Because okay. really, I, I, and from my experience on this, I have to say, and, and also with the book and the conversations you and I have had, everybody has issues with their mother. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's. It's yeah. part of, it's just life. So if that is the case, 
so be it, right? Um, I think as when I think of a, a male, a masculine male, I think of a man who is very strong, who's a provider, who's a protector, who, you know, like just logistically will keep, his, you know, his queen safe. I mean, so this is my ideology when I think of this. And so for me as the queen, I, you know, I'm, I'm to be admired. I'm to be respected. My opinion is the only one that matters. But if you think in some households, this is kind of the case, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe as a, fem- uh, as a feminine female, I have the ability, and again, this is that yin and yang, so it's very natural. Um, I have the ability to see details in things. As women, we typically see a lot of color. I mean, even like on a physical level, we see more details. We feel more details in a room. You know, we as, as uh, or excuse me, me as a, as a fe- in my feminine, you know, I can create and I can love and I can correct. And so that's, that is all part of, of course, who I am. And I think when men come to me, I think they are a product of where they grew up, but also a product of what life is. We do not allow men the space to cuddle, (laughs) cry, um, you know, actually get the loving and the attention of of a strong woman. There's not a lot of that out there. And so, and perhaps it's just this mixed up of everything of, you know, upbringing, puberty, sexuality, strong, you know, expectations in society that bring them to my front door. (laughs) (laughs) But that's kind of that's just piecemeal of what I've learned from the submissives who've come to me, because, of course, this is all about, you know, again, this yin and the yang. It's like, what is it you're what are you craving? You know, because ultimately I need to be able to create a setting that allows them to come into this very, very vulnerable space and express, exist explore you know it's it's just this whole thing and so um it it takes a lot of courage i think for a man to actually believe i guess actually to be able to admit to himself and to actually step into that authentic self and say this is part of who i am and and i'm really needing it now some people share that with their wives I think the majority of them do not just mm-hmm. because it is seen as such in, you know, such a taboo. Um, and I think women are also programmed to think like, oh, what? My husband does what? Oh, my God, he's a terrible man. And then, it, of course, the whole thing. Well, uh, there's a lot of taboos in 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 sex. Period. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's not much, you know, mm-hmm. if you would have said. It was funny because I remember when my mom, my mom used to be a dancer and I'm talking a ballet dancer, uh, jazz dancer. I'm not talking stripper, but, but <laughs> when um, I think I was a freshman in high school, we were going through her costume. She had trunk, steamer trunk of oh. costumes, which was awesome. She had this beautiful butterfly costume, but in that there was something that was in a little, little 60 ish vibe box and I opened it and it was pasties and a G string. And I'm like, what's this? And my mom's like, not for you to know. Cause apparently that was for her and my dad. And I was just like, and she was single at this point, but it was just like, you're not supposed to know about those things. Oh, 
Okay. Alrighty. Maybe I should learn from somebody else anyway. Well, this is the <laughs> same woman who gives the period talk with a Kotex belt that we're not using Kotex belts anymore. So anyway, that was mm. not that was not something in her forte. <laughs> but you know, there's a couple of things I want to unpack with you here because it's like, yeah. so we we know that we have the men with the problem, but then we also have the the women that the big ticket word again, which is back from the 70s, is calling their man daddy. So mm-hmm. we have the reverse of the women being wanting their daddy issues resolved. Mm-hmm. So it, it works both ways. I mean, we have mm-hmm. women with with daddy issues, mo- guys with mommy issues. So here's some other the other questions I have here. So you're a dom, but are there times when you take the submissive role in your personal relationships? I actually tried that. I tried that with my husband. Um and I mean, it, first off, I think it's difficult. It was difficult for me because I'm, I'm always, like I said, I'm always looking for details. I could not, I, I specifically could not get into my body to even go into that real submissive like state. And we actually did it on a physical level, like a physical domination in order for me to, you know, get me there a little easier. Um, it was oil and water. It was very, very uncomfortable. I trust my husband. Mm-hmm. I love him. I adore him. I, I don't think that he would ever do anything that he didn't feel comfortable doing. So there was none of that concern. I just think that that's not my place. I, I just, I've heard stories yeah. that some people are able to switch roles. That's why yeah. I was curious. Yeah. in some, and I gave it a shot, you know, and who knows the beautiful thing about all this is maybe in five years, I will be able to have that experience, right? Because I'm constantly evolving. But at that time we tried it, it wasn't. And in fact, it was very uncomfortable to be, to, yeah, that was just extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I just, I had to ask and I yeah. appreciate you answering. I, I have another question that's going to be, so your clients that come to you, is this purely a sexual thing or is this just to a certain point and not a sexual act? You know, that's that's always the million dollar question. Right? Like what goes on answer, behind so. closed doors between consenting adults? Right. right? No. Yeah. And girl, no. It's, okay. So the question I will definitely answer when I started out. Right. I lived in Texas. And so I was actually mentored by a sober lady here who I refer to in the book. And she taught me how to uh, offer this service without getting in trouble with the law. Period. And so here, the what that actually is, I think, I think that's still valid here. I don't think Texas is changing their sex laws anytime soon. No. But it was that I personally, with my hand, could not insert anything in another body, if that be their mouth or their ear, whatever, right? Um, but they could do it under my direction. Okay. So the, it's those little fine line dancing things. You're like, okay, but did she, but did she not tomato, tomato, right? Um, for me personally, when it came to uh, my body interacting with their body, I would use the weight of my body and crawl on them. If I had them bound down to a table, um, I may tease them about like hovering over maybe their face, um, but I'm not comfortable. I've always had like, you know, garters and stockings and heels. And because that's my persona, right? right? I am the untouchable. Right. And you are, y- y- you are fortunate to be within my realm. 
So that's my mentality, which fits my, my comfort level, right? And that's one of the things that as women are evolving into this and they're like, gosh, I really think these are some of the questions you get to ask yourself. Like, who is she? Right. You know, when she's in that powerful, powerful spot, right? Is she, you know, is she running around with bells and bows on her ankles? Or, you know, does she have leather clad from head to toe? You know, who is she? And so I got to create her. And so when I think of Miss Jules, I have an image. It's like I'm in this Chanel um, 1939 uh, suit outfit and I have the stockings with a line up the back nice. and you know my my little my little hat you know my my pill hat with the veil mm-hmm. that comes over I mean so that was my that's my persona that's what radiates with me so so I think that actually being a very personal question of course is what what is it that she is what what is her persona and is that part of her persona Maybe, maybe it is. But again, as long as it's behind closed doors and it's consenting. Right. I don't, it, I don't, I wouldn't see a reason why besides that. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, laws, but I, yeah. it, it's as simple as this. I mean, to be a tarot reader, there was this, there's a city, Schomburg, Illinois, and they've changed the law since then. But to be a reader, I had to be, I had to be, a, it had to be a spiritual counseling and I had to have a minister's license. Otherwise, so I am an ordained minister, yes, and I've married people, but I had to be a, become an ordained minister in order not to go to jail to read cards. Okay, so you see the silliness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like my money could never be handed to me. It had to be put on the table. That's same with women who, who uh, offer escort services. They always talk about, you know, put the envelope in plain sight on the table or in the bathroom, because that's one of the silly rules as well. And, and here's the thing, if you, because uh, this is going to be another, my most popular episode of the podcast so far is my talk with the sex therapist. So this will be <laughs> another one, I'm sure. Anyway, um, the fact is we have such hangups about sex and it goes back to, well, women should be submissive. They should be, you know, and we shouldn't have this. And we shouldn't have that. But the fact of the matter is, why are we as women, especially, why are we not allowed to have fun? Why are we not allowed to? be treated like a goddess? Why are we not allowed? You know, it it just gets to a point is I remember my first marriage, there was a certain point where it's like when we would have sex, it'd be just like, get it over with. I'm thinking about somebody else. Just get it Mm. over with. I'm done. And the funny thing is he had told me prior before when we were first started dating that his first wife became frigid and I didn't understand but then fast forward four years later and I'm sitting here going, oh, I know why. <laughs> <laughs> because there was nothing there. There was no excitement and there was no, it was, it was not interesting. It was just there. Yeah. And I think there are women out there. Cause that's one of the things, of course, for me, it's like, I need to find my people. Right. I'm always finding my people. And so when I do meet other women, sometimes you can just feel it in their energy. And and that's this is another thing like we'll kind of get into when it comes to actually being in a scene. And a scene is simply where all of this takes place. There's a beginning and middle and an end. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And we schedule just like everybody else, your appointments from two to four, you know, and it's this many dollars an hour. We consider it a tribute opposed to because, again, I can't say I'm 
asking you to render for services, right? right? So, um, so sometimes it's just, I, I can be in my gym clothes and it's just the energy that I have. It's, it's the way I hold myself. It's, you know, even if I don't know something or what I'm doing, I'm, I'm not that like, that's just not there that like, Oh, don't, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, that inferior feel that that's not, that's not present for me. Um, And so I find that people are drawn again, that yin and that yang, you know, that the two energies pull each other together. So it's, it's interesting, especially when uh, my husband and I will go out to dinner and, and he loves, he loves to go to steakhouses and have me the one in the front as we walk through, because he loves to watch <laughs> all the guys. Like, he's like, yes, I'm so proud of her. She's mine, <laughs> which is something men do. Right. So <laughs> it is, it is. And, and, and I mean, there was a time in Texas. Yes. Cause I used to live in Texas. Um, <laughs> I wore a halter dress with a push-up bra and my girlfriends would walk behind me. I was skinnier, but I still had a rack. Yeah. And my girlfriends would walk behind me to watch other women just go. <gasps> the nerve. And, and a couple of them were like, those aren't real. And they're like, oh yeah, they are. <laughs> they're mine either way. Yeah, I mean, I did, and, I, and the thing is, I was totally oblivious to it. Yes. Totally oblivious to it because awesome. I didn't, I just wanted to be me. I was comfortable in that dress. I may not have been the skinniest person, but I was comfortable. And that's the thing about it is if you're comfortable in your body, you can own that power. Yeah. It's- and I've seen women, both small and large, totally rock this world, mm-hmm. you know, and I think even and this is back when, you know, skinny was the, the, the in thing. And and I think that the, the larger doms, I think they got more clientele <laughs> because they were that they were the ones that are telling society, you know, screw off, I'll do things my way. And so I think that is also part of that authenticity that they were drawn to as well. And, yeah. and, and I think. And, and that's the thing about men sometimes, especially now, and even, I guess, even in the past, men have always treated women. I don't want to say as a sex object, but they, they can, they know how to manipulate and turn you off completely. I remember being in a situation where the gentleman I was with, he was younger than me and we were in, we were getting busy and everything and it never worked out. And I, I should have known because I ended up reading his cards and he asked me if he was ever going to sleep with a man, but that played Mm -hmm. with the mental psychology of, well, I'm not attractive. And this coming off from my marriage with the the guy who's like, well, you're, you don't have a playboy one. What the hell does that mean? Please tell me what that means because a playboy one isn't even real. So there was a lot of psychological game. And when I think about it, there was a guy that I was really interested in who was flirty with me, but I think subconsciously I was like, I'm not worthy of this. So I passed on it. I wish I wouldn't have, but Uh you know, I think it was just the mental games that men can play with you without even. So, you know, are they being dominant? Well, yeah, but in a toxic way and not so much the guy who ended up was unsure about his sexuality, but the Uh hubby definitely. And we hear about um, toxic masculinity all the time. Uh I just actually listened to a podcast on healthy masculinity and it was very refreshing to to hear like it's 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 the strong one who who can meet her where she's at instead of you know blowing her off and saying it's a girl problem yeah. you know it, it it was very powerful i enjoyed it 
but that's I, off topic. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, cause we're talking in general and here's the thing, you know, like my hubby, it's like my, my last hubby, he was okay that I could go grab an auto part and change the air filter on the car or change and fix something else. Yeah. Not that he couldn't do it. I mean, at a certain point because of his vision, he couldn't, but he took, okay, we'll say this. He took on the feminine roles around the house. And sometimes I took on the masculine roles because he would cook, he would do mm-hmm. the dishes. I would cut the grass on the riding lawnmower, but <laughs> I mean, I would do the things that yeah. quote unquote would be masculine. And I think in a healthy mm-hmm. relationship, you have that yin and yang balance. Yes. And I think that's the most, when you get to that level and you can actually recognize that because then the two forces are not clashing. Right. And there's no, there's no right or wrong because we have all of it. So just because, you know, like you're saying, you're out pushing, (laughs) pushing the lawnmower on Saturdays does not make him any less than a a man. You know, it doesn't make you any less of a woman. It's simply a side of you you're expressing. Well, and the interesting thing about this is because he was a type one diabetic. So he was willing to do caverjack into his penis to try mm. to get an erection and he couldn't. So mm. he was happy to buy me sex toys. He was happy to take me to a toy shop. Yeah. But that says that that's a man who's secure enough with himself and his sexuality, even though he couldn't, he knew enough that I needed to be taken care of. Yes. And again, meeting you where you're at, mm-hmm. there's no shame in his game. No. In fact, he is going to do everything he can to protect you and take care of you. And mm-hmm. yes. So I would say that was definitely a beautiful example of healthy masculinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's not, that's not praised, no. you know, not praised at all. You know, we had some um, just actually, <laughs> it was over the weekend. Um, I, I celebrated my 50th birthday, girl. Happy birthday. I did. And we went to Miami. It was fantastic. Nice. Yeah, we went to the boat shell. Um, nice. And when we got off the plane, uh, we got a call from my husband's mother. She had found something online. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Talk about, like, complete bias. Programmed bias. Like, her main concern was, well, how are people going to look at you? What are they going to think if you're doing this with her? Are they going to, it's like, first off, it's me. I'm right here. This is my body. This is my choice. It was just like, it was like, oh my God, this still lives. Mm -hmm. I forget things live like this because I've created such an amazing bubble (laughs) of people who are just as evolved as I am. And and so I don't see it. So it was kind of one of those like, whoa, kind of took me back a bit. Like, Holy cheese. And, and then I thought, wow, because people are very, very mean online. Oh, yeah. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That was a heck of a funk to get out of. But it's just like the belief systems. It, it, I have to just think that it's, it's, it's fear of not wanting to step out and maybe consider something else. Because if I consider something else, I don't feel safe around you because I can't protect you. I can't put you in that box, right? So I think that's that's part of this. So, you know, once again, it's just like, all right, you know, Jules, just brush off, stand tall. Like, this is what it's like to be somebody who's breaking this path. But man, that one in particular, just, it floored me. God. I mean, it, it, there's a <laughs> lot of, there's still a lot of stigma about a lot of different things. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know how we're going to get out of it, but hopefully we will. I mean, Mm -hmm. right now the U S is in, it's a big Pluto return. So that's going to be a two, two year shift. 
Uh, as this goes through and we've never had one before the last time pluto was here was during the civil war so but no better time no let's get this thing rolling (laughs) so let's talk a little bit before we get into the scene talk let's talk a little bit about culture and the dominatrix i mean we have we have tv shows like bonding which was really cute show that was on netflix pose there was a transgender dom and then, of course, we had already mentioned this offline. Uh, CSI had a character yes. called Lady Heather, which was God, she awesome. was sexy. <laughs> I know. So sexy. Yes. Yes. And like you were just like Lady Heather, that persona. Mm-hmm. I mean, look how she like hypnotized this full grown man with like all of his bearings. I mean, that was like a perfect example Mm-hmm. Of the power of the feminine. Yeah. That is what makes me lean into it because that is amazing. That is super sexy. That is the type of woman that I, I would love to, to portray. Mm-hmm. I would love to have that, you know? Um, and I think we all have it. It just, it takes a little bit to, you know, <laughs> get in it. that. Yeah. And I think also, like you're saying, like, you know, it's, it's the belief system. So it takes a little bit of homework, right? We're not just going to, you know, pop on some heels and push them up and, you know, say we're queens, but it's like, because it's an energy, it's a belief system amongst yourself. So I think there's a little bit of work that has to be done about the belief systems we have already. They have to be unlearned. Before I ever got married, it was always amazing that I would walk around normal. But if I put on a pair of heels and short skirt, that was it. I I owned myself. I became this whole different persona. And Mm -hmm. I knew my power. And this is going to sound really bad, but I was 18, 19 years old. I knew I could go to the grocery store. And if a man was with his wife and he looked at me, then I was like, okay, then I'm good for the night. (laughs) I knew I looked good. And I know that seems egotistical and ridiculous, but I was also 18, 19 years old. And it wasn't that I had anything that I wanted from these people. It was just about me verifying my power, which mm-hmm. is, which, you know, looking back, it's like, you should have just owned yourself and not worried about the outside approval. Yeah. But so. that's what life is, right? Yeah. That's what this is all about. So while we're still talking about media real quick, there is the, the infamous book of 50 shades of gray yes, and, you know, <laughs> TikTok kind of dispels the when they have male doms, they're always talking about how there's aftercare is important um, for having a relationship, a dominant relationship with your submissive that you're supposed to do aftercare. But Fifty Shades kind of just, you know, there's a lot of talk. It's a great book. It got the BDSM world out there. I'm not and I shouldn't say great book because I haven't read it, but it made a great impact on that culture. However, there's a lot of people that say, you know, basically he was a a stalker worth money, an abusive stalker. So let's, you know, what did you, did you read the books? Did you? You know, I watched the movie when it came out. I did too. That's where I went. Um, You know, I think because I, this is who I am and the life I lead. Mm -hmm. Um, It was. It, it was like somebody trying to tell me what an alcoholic is like. It's like, you, you know what? I, I appreciate that from your perspective, this is your experience, but this is not everybody's perspective on this side of people who experience it all the time. So, um, but the movie, I do have to say it was, it was hot. It was sexy. I enjoyed it. 
not necessarily, again, the idea that he was a male and she was a female right, in right. those roles, but I thought it was hot. But yeah, it, it, it was a movie. It was Hollywood. I mean, it's not like that. I, I enjoyed the movie and, and it goes the same thing with a tarot reader or a person that's intuitive. The way it's painted in Hollywood is not <laughs> the way it happens no, in most cases. No. But you know what was amazing is on the planes during that time when that first book came out, you would see that thing. There was no shame. That it was almost like gave all of the housewives in the world like the, the the little golden key to like be open and you know so I don't know if they there's a form of like liberation or something that they could read this stuff in public but it was everywhere well, there was even a movie called Book Club with Jane Fonda uh, oh I can't remember who else is in it but Jane Fonda Don Johnson uh, Mary Steenburgen and a couple of two, two, oh, Candace Bergen and one other person. And I, she, Mia, not Mia Farrell, but Woody Allen. It's she, Diane Keaton. That's it. Diane Keaton. <laughs> and sorry about that. No. And it was them reading 50 shades oh, from shit. an older woman's perspective. Oh, so it was, it <laughs> was a, it was a movie about the book. That's how much of a cultural phenomenon. And then I remember in Target when I went by, I was somewhere in Target one day and they had like on clear on the clearance rack, the 50 shades sleep mask or bondage mask and the 50 shades handcuffs. All the paraphernalia. Yeah. Right? And I'm just like, really? <laughs> I know. I know. Like it, it, and that's kind of exactly what I did. Like what? You know, you go to your local sex store. And buy <laughs> but you know what? The girls who go to Target can't always go to the, the sex stores. This is true. This is right. True. Like the shame runs deep. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she runs into Target to get toilet paper and just happens to fall upon something like this. You know, maybe it's a little easier. Well, that, that's what's kind of funny is now here. I live in a small town and you can actually fi- find the personal massagers <laughs> in the Walmart. Oh, and I'm like, I mean, I remember finding those in Spencer gifts back in the day, (laughs) (laughs) but now and they have different types. And I'm just like, really? Okay. (laughs) It's happening. We are evolving. Yes. And I think it's good that we are. Yeah. Yes, totally. Because it's always, as we know, sex has always been here. It's why we're here. Mm -hmm. Like this whole shame game. It's and maybe that's it. It's like, it's so silly. I mean, it's like, even if I, you know, verbally, if I was shamed or something by someone else, it's like, seriously, like do you, it, we're made because of sex. You exist because, because of sex. sex. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. Actually. Well, what's your funny thing? What you think it's funny too, is you have the church going, no, 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 you shouldn't be touching yourself and you shouldn't be doing this. Okay. But what about, what are you guys, what's the church doing with the little boys and all this right. stuff? Why not let them get married and have a normal life? Why not let them marry yeah. who they want to marry? I mean, yeah. why do we have to have all these hangups? Yeah. You know? A lot of unlearning. A lot of unlearning. I mean, I, I've talked about this before and we'll get to the, I want to get to the scene next, but you know, when my, when my mom died, I, my stepfather, I'm going through my mom's stuff and I find these two large massagers mm-hmm. about this long. So and bad. my first husband looks at me and I look at him and my stepfather comes and he says, Oh, those are mine. Your mom used those on me. And I'm like, that's just no it gets weirder so then we're flipping you know we're going through video cassettes just get stuff and there's a videotape of my mother's feet 
And we oh, talked about this, I think, flip. last time. And I was just like, oh, yeah. But no, what's really creepy is that she said when I was 16, oh, he likes giving pedicures. So let him do your feet and he'll buy you a pair of shoes. It wasn't until I hit 52 that I realized that my mother basically served me up. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, that's besides the point. But yeah. And I think it's incidents like that kind of like kind of give us this Wait, We were just on track. It's it's like, it's okay that you have those toys and and that he likes your feet, but then wham, we, we get out of, we get out of bounds and then we get kind of all messed up. And I have to, I have to think that, other people do that too. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think when we get out of bounds and we're like, ah, we can't recover from it. So right. we shut down. Right. Like right. we're just not going to have, a, let's just not ever talk about that again. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even right. think, I didn't even think about it. Honestly, it just, okay, yeah. whatever. And then I was over at my friend's house and I was talking to her and I was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and the real audacity is that my mom at one point accused me of sleeping with the man, which I couldn't stand him. So I was just kind of oh, like, shit. yeah, but you set this up in your mind. That's, mm-hmm. but that's how it happens when you start healing trauma is you start going through and you're going, okay, let me unpack this. Yeah. Let me take this bow off and look yeah. in the box. Yeah. So it, it's, it's better that I figured all this out. So yeah. talk to us about what happens in a scene. My scene happens way before, just like as we were referencing Lady Heather, Heather, um, it's her persona. It is not like you're showing up at the dentist. Um, She has this error about her. And so I would dare to say her communications were in that same realm. And so when a gentleman contacts me, there's this very in-depth screening process um, and then they actually have the opportunity to talk with me. And, you know, and th- at this point is really, I mean, besides the screening and, and the website and all of that, this is the first time they actually get to hear my voice, you know, the tone of my voice and, and, and me telling them, you know, what we are going to do. And this is what I expect of them. And, and so it, it, this whole seduction starts taking place. And so I will always, uh, typically my schedule wouldn't allow, but always at least a week out because the mind of a male is always about processing, processing, processing. And, and, and it's, it's the seduction that keeps them like drawn to you. So, and as we know, right, as we know, like after men come, they're done. (laughs) So it's like the longer I can keep them in that state the better. And so uh, there'll be things that I, I will uh, request of them um, prior to actually coming to, to see me. And that will be, um, you will refrain from having an orgasm until I see you on Tuesday. And they'll say, yeah, but what about, you know, I have a wife at home. And, and I said, that's wonderful. In fact, you can start by pleasing her and not worrying about yourself. And so like this whole, like, oh my God. So the control factor is already that hook is being, being placed. And there are some other fun little things that I do before they even get to get to see me. So 98% of the time when I open the door, there's, there stands a man who is scared, (laughs) uncertain, and super excited 
And then thinking, holy fuck, what am I doing here? Like that whole thing is going on, like bouncing around in his head as they, you know, walk in super smooth, <laughs> super <laughs> calm. Right. Um, but little things like hearing my heels click mm-hmm. as they wait outside the door. These are all little things that I've learned to incorporate in this whole scene. So um, they, they will sit down with me. We have kind of a little, just kind of a little introduction. I'm still in full role. I mean, there's no like, Hey, how's it going? You know, I mean, like I'm sitting in my chair, my legs are crossed, my heels, you know, the whole works and they're sitting there at the edge of the seat. And, and so then I, you know, make some small talk just to kind of relax them because sometimes it gets to be too much for them, right? It's overstimulating. And so what makes them most comfortable is the quicker I can get them into that submissive state. And so, for instance, I will simply just have them sit on the floor because men in my environment are not allowed to sit on the furniture. Oh, wow. And so they will sit on the floor. And there are some who, for instance, people who enjoy feet um, uh, or men who are who enjoy sissification. They love to sit at my feet and and clean my shoes or rub my feet or just feel my nylons on my legs. I mean, there's different fetishes all across the board, you know. So in, at this stage is like when I'm really, you know, they're going to start drifting off, we'll say, into this submissive state, the subspace, we call it. And, and so they get real, like, it's, 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 they're intoxicated. There's mm-hmm. endorphins going on within their chemical systems, right? And so now here is the point where my dominant energies, right? The protector, the provider, all of those masculine energy takes place. Because here I have somebody very much in that submissive perhaps even feminine mindset. And so I have to really be careful that they're not asking for things that are way outlandish because they're in that state of euphoria. And so um, during the application process, of course, I've learned everything that they want to experience. Um, There are sometimes I just can't provide that particular service. Um, But my 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 website specifically states and draws in the the right the right gentleman. And so, um, you know, and then I'll take off. I'll take off with the scene. And I don't necessarily Besides the genre, I do not set my scenes up because scenes are are an energy exchange. So I will perhaps have, you know, a room set for something, you know, but it would never be like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. You know, some women do. I've heard that feedback where she's like, she's just in the, you know, she's just going through the motions. Um, that was not something I enjoyed doing. I was all about like getting in there just like them and, and just getting almost like drunken by the, by the mm-hmm. energy exchange. Um, and, and, and I can be able, I think at that state, when you are so in that vibration, you can feel their vibrations. You can feel where they're at, right? We can tell if somebody shuts down, right? There's an energetic thing, right? I can tell if somebody is super open and just super like, you know, all, uh, yeah. Right. So, so I can feel this. And so with those eyes I have, I say, um, I can, I can, I can read their body and I can see if we're going too far. I can see, say, for instance, if uh, a gentleman enjoys humiliation and loves to be laid over, over the knee spankings, 
Okay. Now I'm a very strong woman and I could probably do some harm if I did not look at my subject and how is his body actually responding to it? You know, because in the, the mind of a male, of course, he's still masculine. He will say, I am going to do everything I can to make her proud of me. Mm-hmm. So that could work against me, against him as well. So, you know, if I'm talking with him and he's like, yep, I can keep taking it. I keep it. But his body is telling me else, you know, elsewise. So it's like a lot of that's going on. So it's just this dynamic of of different moving energies and 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 um, and it's a heightened, you know, you you ramp up, you know, and then we're going to come back down but then I'm going to take you back up, you know? So it's, it's between the psyche, the energy and the body. And it's this beautiful dance that takes place. And then what I do for my gentlemen at towards the end, because I do not want to have them leave in this heightened state, that would be very, very dangerous. Right. right. <laughs> um, and so what I, the, what's the best way to get the man out of that energy is to have him have an orgasm. Yeah. And so for whatever way we may do that, I may simply humiliate to that point or, you know, or I may use a, a, an apparatus or whatnot, but then ultimately then he's able to release you know, everything kind of calms back down. I'm calming back down with him, you know, and then it's that space that we talked and we joked about, I should Mm say, um, of just, you know, some people like to touch afterwards. Some people don't like to touch. Some people just want to sit down and, and, you know, put their shoes on and have a couple, like get out of that space as quick as possible. There are other people that just want to, I mean, sometimes I'm like, sweetie, you got to (laughs) go, you know? So everybody here in that, in that area is different, but ultimately that come down is very important. And then what I have them do is touch base with me after they get home or get back to the office just so I, and that's just me being me. I want to make sure my boys are, are good. I want to make sure that, you know, and, and two is like, they'll bring some of that home to them and their wife will be like, why are you being so nice? Or, you know, so it's yeah. like, we can really play on these energies just like lady Heather did, you know, um, when we, when we realize the power of them. But I think, you know, that's the one thing when you think about sex, in our normal relationships, sex is let me rip your clothes off. And there's, there's the energy, but there's not always that connection. There's not always the mm-hmm. mental connection. There's not always, you know, I, I say one of part of the reason I think my marriage was so good. The, my second one was because that was not in the table while there was that connection and there, there was intimacy. Yeah. There wasn't the, I don't want to say hunger, but that's the best way I can think of it. There wasn't mm-hmm. that urgency of I need to rip your clothes off yeah granted I missed it but you know you know what I'm getting at it's like we had a solid relationship where when you're younger you jump into that relationship and a lot of the times it's like let's let's get to it let's Mm -hmm. do it and let's continue to do it and we've now we're in love and we have this wonderful relationship and then when that fades you look back and go what have I done we didn't have much yeah no yeah so I I think that i think that we have to start working as a society to educate about psychological principles of sex, the mm-hmm. energy principles of sex, and the actual act that women are allowed to feel good and have control. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of the, of, um, oh gosh, like Latin women, mm-hmm. you know, women who come out when they're dancing and they're powerful and, oh my gosh, that is perfect harmony when I see them with their partner and 
that seems like perfect harmony to me. Mm-hmm. You know, she's definitely heard. She's definitely, you know, like it, it, there's just, there's just no act that's all by the energy within. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, yeah, I, I totally agree, but we're not a society that taps in. We're yeah. learning, we're learning, but we are so cerebrally programmed to fit into this particular, this particular box. But little by little, we're, we're kind of wiggling out, wiggling out. <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, before a plus size woman would, would not be considered attractive. Right. I mean, it, a plus size woman was just, mm, no, you're, you're fat and go away and you're not supposed yeah. to dress cute. Yeah. I, I like a certain clothing store and I like their clothes a lot. And I'm over 50 and their demographic when I was on hold one day is like clothes for the young and fit. And I'm just like, you know, you really are messing with a whole demographic of women mm-hmm. that want to be empowered. And, you know, 50 now isn't looking like our grandmothers <laughs> back in the day. No, ma'am. <laughs> we don't have the bouffant hair. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta give us some cred and let us yeah. be who we want to be. Yeah. You know, and go ahead. But that whole industry has mm-hmm. done nothing but shame women for profits. Mm-hmm. You're not pretty enough. Your hair is too short. Your hair is too long. You're, you know, like, I, I, I mean, it's just, that's, that's the way the money has been made, mm-hmm. you know, is by telling you that you are not good enough and, and I have what you need. And now they've started to do it with guys. Yeah. And yeah. yet the guys have bought into a hook, line and sinker, mm-hmm. just like the women. Just and it's like, like did. yep. I, yeah. I just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a big force. It it's is. a really big force. And, and because we are very, I think as humans, we're very like, we like things that look good and we like to look good. We're very, that's very important to, uh, to a lot of us. And so it's, it's, yeah, I don't see that fading anytime soon. Uh-uh. <laughs> Not in you, my lifetime. How did you get out of the shame of being a dominatrix? And I know that you didn't have any shame, but you know, as you were saying about your mother-in-law, it's like, how do you get out of that, in, the mental game of shame? I surround my pe- myself with people who, who think the way I do. Um, other people that I can go to and share that story with, and they hold space for me. And they're like, you know, that's not truth. Like they will talk that tape out in my head that plays um and journaling is also journaling is one of my biggest tools as as you know from when we first spoke is like mm-hmm. you know because this is between me and source right because that was a thing too it's like okay girl now you're getting sober my first sponsor when I told her what I did she told me that I cannot work with you because for you to keep doing this it it's wrong morally wrong and for you to drink is for you to die and and I, I don't believe in what you're doing and wouldn't work with me. I'm a woman who's dying of the disease of alcoholism. And she could not overlook that. So, I mean, the stigma is very, very big and it's very strong, but I have to just think that I'm a, I plant seeds. Mm-hmm. I plant seeds as I'm being authentic because what's super awesome on that. I had that experience. And probably five years later, I was in a situation where I was breaking up with somebody And it was in that DS, that dynamic or that dominant submissive, the DS dynamic. And I, nobody, I couldn't talk to anybody who understood. This is before I created that circle. And I remember there was a lady in the rooms of recovery and, and I said, 
I finally, we met because I was in such pain. And I was like, I know what I'm going to explain to you is going to sound very foreign, but I will answer any questions because I have to be able to talk about this. Like my heart is breaking because I loved my submissive. I was in love with him. This was a fantastic dynamic. And so to this day, she's like, you have taught me so much. Like now when I hear or, you know, something else, I, I can, I can, I can, I can have my eyes open for that. So as we sit here saying, you know, not a damn thing's changed. And, you know, I have to think that women like us, we're certainly planting seeds and perhaps they're just underground right now, but it's, 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 it's in the process of growing where things are changing. Well, and one thing I want to say to you about you, not that I, I've only talked to you twice, but here's <laughs> the thing for that, for you, the person saying, I don't want to work with you, but the fact of the matter is, okay, so being an alcoholic, that is something that is hard. It's something that you are caught up in trauma and you're trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And the and you claiming your power, not only to become a dominatrix, to heal yourself, and we haven't even talked about this, we talked about this last time, become a female bodybuilder that is all about <laughs> women empowerment. So yeah. take your little your little notion that this is morally wrong and stuff it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Like there's no wrong way to be a woman. No. Right. And I think one of the beautiful things about um, same sex marriages coming to the surface, like that seed's been planted and now it's actually above surface, um, is that now we really get to see and interact with things that we once saw as stereotypical, Mm -hmm. you know, like stereotypically it's like, oh, well, who is the woman in this relationship? Yeah. Okay, you know, like as you were saying, it's like it doesn't always have to be like that in the relationship. So I think through that, we're getting the example that, wait, I'm a woman and I'm going to go change the air filters. Right. So, you know, so I think that's what it's allowing. And I'm not becoming that stone hardcore butch, you know, you know, it's like I still can. I'm not necessarily going to do that in heels, but I tell you, I put heels on afterwards. Right. It's like I don't have to stay stuck in that energy. Right. I have I have the fluidity. How how freeing is that? We've I, just done it behind closed doors. I've changed a car tire in heels and snow. Oh girl. Yeah. So that's yeah, I, I have been I have been a uh, <laughs> I and here's the thing. I mean, that's the one good thing my stepfather did was like, if you're gonna drive a car, you're gonna learn how to work on a car. So I knew how to do all that. And I had a guy come out in a suit as I'm dressed like this. We had unloaded the, my friend's car because I was I had just moved up here, and he comes out in a suit. And he's like, oh, you guys have me blocked in. Now it snowed. There's still snow. And I'm going to go back in the restaurant now. Okay. So I did it. I mean, my friend's like, let's call roadside assistance. I'm like, three hour wait. No, thank you. Let's just do it. But yet in the small town where I live now, it's like, if I go to check my air. Oh, no, no, no. I got it, ma'am. I got it for you. Little lady. (laughs) All right, whatever. But I mean, that's the thing. It's like, in the and I have to say, by me taking my power back, and I think that's something that my husband was a great gift of, by me having the power when he passed, as much as I miss him and everything, and I had to go back to cooking and stuff, I still knew how to take care of me. And there's so yeah. many women that when they get involved with somebody, and I'm sorry if this offends people, but so many women, when they get involved with somebody, they go, okay, he's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of all the bills. So mm-hmm. I need to know nothing. I get to live in my little world. But the yeah. fact of the matter is you have to learn how to survive after that moment. 
because we're not in that world anymore. Right. Before divorces did not exist. Right. And before, you know, it's 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 outdated. Mm-hmm. But as we were just talking about, like he came out, the gentleman came out and, you know, mm-hmm. wanted to or the help the little lady with her air. Right. Yeah. So that was something, too, because here now, as you know, I'm Miss Jules, I've, I've gotten I'm in my masculine. I it, but then I meet my husband and mm-hmm. he's like, baby, I don't I don't even feel needed around you. Right. So I'm like, oh, shit, like I'm totally blocking what fulfills him. So and this may sound really bad, but it's like I had to teach myself to allow him to open the door for me. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that is what makes him feel like a man Mm -hmm. in this relationship. So it's it, it, it I think it was always it's always just like in the front and center. And when you really look at it. You know, it's like my husband, for instance, I, I can't take the trash out, save my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should not be handling that. No, that's not, you should not be handling the trash. Okay. Right. But there's a flip side to that because then he'll come out and put his dish on the, on the counter and not in the dishwasher. And I'm thinking, Hmm, yeah, <laughs> am yeah. I the little lady right now? <laughs> well, and I mean, here's the, here's the mentality. My first husband was, you know, well, I, because I knew how to work on the car. He was going to do a brake job. We had a 67 Buick Cutlass. So it was an easy enough car to work on. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll help you. He goes, nope, that's that's man's work. Excuse me. That's man's work. How do you figure it, it's man's work? Mm-hmm. Other things and, you know, touching himself was woman's work. He would not touch himself. He swore up and down. He had never touched himself. And I'm just like, really? Wow. How? 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 And yeah, I'm oh, sure some people would be like, you're airing your dirty laundry, but that's the fact. And part of the reason why we ended was, while I say the man didn't want to have fun sex, the first time he met my best friend at the time, he wanted to take naked pictures with her. And then, no, then it gets better than that. Then he offers to buy uh, the best bottle of champagne and have a menage a trois. And I just looked at him. Oh. It's not that I wasn't open to those kinds of things, but it, I just looked at him and said, you didn't even buy a bottle of champagne when we got married. Why? And, and I was insulted. Yeah. Because, you know, you might as well have just discarded me because obviously this is how this, this wasn't about a menage a trois. This was about you getting away with sleeping with my friend mm-hmm. with me being in the room and pulling me along. Yeah. I was and that's smart. also like women, as you know, we have a very open-minded relationship. And mm-hmm. so um, of course, men have like, I mean, they just sit back, they get to, they watch porn and, and I'm so stereotyping right now, but it's like, they get all hyped up of things and then they come out and they're like, baby, we got to go here. And I'm thinking, are you fucking nuts? Like, I'm not going, <laughs> like, yeah. where did this come from? You know? And so when we first got together, that's how it was. And I was like, let off, like pump the brakes a bit, you know? And th- then now we realize that I'm the one who has like the bigger scope of things. I have more of this like up and down. I'm, I'm like this breathing mechanism of energy. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like the woman has to lead. Yeah. The woman has to leave in my relationship. And it's not that I'm demanding. And, and that's something too, like that terrible, that terrible thing that went viral <laughs> um, on, on online. It was just, you know, that oh, she wears the, the pants 
in the family. And I don't think I it's saw kind that. of like, God, no, you, unfortunately there's that stigma that if I have a voice or heaven forbid some power, then I'm way over and I'm a bitch and I'm demanding. It's, yeah. it's, it's not that at all. And I have found that when I have, have like actually found that happy medium between my husband and I, he loves the idea. He's like, do you realize how many men in the world are like, if she would just tell me what she wanted, I will do, I will do it. Right. Yeah. That doesn't make him a pussy or a pansy. I mean, it makes him, it makes him tending to his queen, to his love. Right. Right. So it's like, it's, it's, that's what it is. It's like the, just all of the negative, nasty tone of things. I mean, it's, it, and it's exciting when I come up with an idea or baby, we're going to go here and, and she's going to meet us here. And, and he's like, Oh my God, this is so right. much. Fun. I mean, it's, because he knows then he doesn't want to be that guy. He's like, I do not want to be that guy. I don't want to be pushing you. Right. Well, that meant that I just like having to learn how to let him open the doors for me. That meant that I had to learn how to know what I want. Right. Because I have to be honest. There's times where, well, hell, if he takes the lead, I'm just going to go with it. I'll check out. I'll do whatever. But you know what? Win win. Yeah. Okay. That's not authentic either. Mm-hmm. Right. I've done it a hundred times. No, I don't even know. I mean, we, I do it. That's what, that's what I was programmed to do. How, how many so, women, how many women fake an orgasm? <laughs> you know, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> that's exactly what you were saying though. <laughs> how many women have sat there and learned how to fake an orgasm and. Totally. But go ahead. Totally though. Right. Like all of these expectations, like I'm told how I supposed to have sex. Mm-hmm. I'm told if do you supposed to be loud? Do you supposed to be quiet? Do you supposed to use toys? Do you not? Do you are you on top or are you on bottom? I mean, everybody's got an opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so my thing is, especially in this second marriage, we just like cleared the slate and we're like, what do you want? I want to do this. I want to try this. I'm really afraid of trying this, but I think with you by my side, I could do this. You know, so it's a lot of that. And like, but that takes, I think, some insightfulness and a little bit of wisdom, right? Second marriage gives you that wisdom. Um, So I think that's part of the the evolving process with us. Um, And and then he knows, he knows, he can tell by the look on my face. He's like, oh, we're not, you're not up for this, are you? It's like, "Eh, that moment's passed, you know? (laughs) So it's, it's made it harder because I have to claim, I have to claim my own. But it also introduces a level of sexuality or sexual feeling, vibration, whatnot within myself. I can't numb out, right? Like I have to, I have to be part of this team, you know? It's like, I can't just put the check in the box every Wednesday night, right? So it, it's, it's required that. And so it's like, if he's at a height and say he's, you know, we think of a scale of zero to 10 and he's riding at a six all the time, right? Testosterone, just he, that's his, mm-hmm. make, his makeup. And I'm riding at like a two, <laughs> bump up to a three, four, two, yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. So that's going to make a lot of work and it's going to be a lot of pressure for him, right? And so what I've done is I've stepped into that feminine and I've stepped that up so I can ride it like probably a four or five. That is through doing, doing things that make me feel sexy, um, taking baths. I love to wear heels. So those are things I've just incorporated into this dynamic that allows that to, for me to stay at a little bit higher vibration. And so that makes it a lot easier as well. And I enjoy it. It's, it's authentic. It's just part of that feminine 
that I never, never gave the opportunity to express. And see that that's important. I remember, I remember in the first marriage, I bought this, I went to Victoria's Secrets and bought this nice purple lace teddy. And I was going to do this little strip and the lovely man that I was with says, why'd you got that on? It's just going to take it off. Okay. Yeah. I mean, when you look at that, it's like, (laughs) and I look back and it's like, how could I own my sexuality when I had that? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's supposed to be, again, the exchange. Yeah. 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 You know, so, I mean, I look back and it's like, I I would have done things differently now. And and the funny thing is I look back at that first date and my, my back hurt. I was like 20 years old, 22 years old. There was no reason for my back to hurt, but everything that could come up, I kept trying to get out of this date. Okay. And and he kept pushing it. Ah. And you'll, the the best part of this is I sat down across the table from him at dinner and I said, I don't want to fall in love until I'm 25 and I don't want to get married until after I'm 30. Famous last words. He ended up moving with me shortly after our first date. That's called conquer. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I look back and I think, man, the things you could have done differently had you been more confident and not had the trauma. Yeah. Like trauma kind of puts us in the negative. Then we get to like this, like just the positive, like we're just at ground zero, we'll say. Mm -hmm. And then we shift up into the, you know, the positive and, and, you know, empowerment, but again, like if we didn't do the negative right. on the negative side of that, maybe I would have not, I would not be having the conversation with you. Well, you I know, would have no insight. As I say, the youth is wasted on the young. Well, you know, to have the knowledge that we do now and <laughs> be that young again. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. We would have missed out on something. So are you still currently an active dumb? No, I am not. I am not. Um, And again, that's one of the beautiful things is I get to, I have so many different layers to me that I now get to enjoy that I didn't even know existed. Um, For for me right now, I just, I'm on the scope of the book, you know, I'm really, you know, and it's interesting because even on the posts that I, you know, interact with on social media, I will get submissive men coming to me you know, saying, you know, do you have any subs? You know, do you, you know, so it's like, baby, no, no, I don't have any. So we just say I'm in retirement. So because when we were first doing, you know, the, the advertising of this, of course, my publicist was like, Jules, oh my God, we can just lead with this whole Miss Jules thing. And, you know, the dominatrix, I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's just one of the layers. But man, it took me like probably four tries to be like, no, we are not. No, stop bringing this idea to the table. <laughs> but, but see, the thing is, the one thing I have to say is, because like myself, I have many layers. I have many, yeah. many labels that I've been through in my life. And that to me is way more interesting than just having two or three titles. Mm-hmm. I have many names. That's what my coach mm-hmm. told me recently. He's like, girl, how many names do you have? <laughs> Like, well, when I was a dancer, I had two. And then, you know, oh, I have an alter ego. Her name's Rachel. I mean, <laughs> now when we talk dancer, are we talking adult dancer? Or are we talking dancer, dancer? Adult dancing. Okay. Oh, yeah, I was a topless dancer. All right. And I still love, love, love to um, dance on the pole. 
I love to go to the clubs and, and my husband just sits there. I mean, just ear to ear, this mm-hmm. big grin. And, uh, and yeah, I just completely seduce him from the pole and would- the room. There's just, I mean, the room is just like, boom. It's fantastic. Nice. nice. Love to be watched like that. Yeah, I admit that there was a time when I was younger that I was like, you know, it'd be an easy job for me. I have a set. <laughs> yes. But yep, I, yep. I didn't do it. I mean, I was I I danced, but I did never work a pole or anything. Ah. It's always one of those things like, I could have done that. Mm-hmm. But, and that in itself, just pole dancing. Now that we have studios all over. Oh, yeah. I mean, talk about like embracing the feminine. There is nothing sexier than a woman who can seductively work a pole like that. (gasps) And again, look at how the men respond to it. It's Mm -hmm. almost like they're craving the feminine because we have literally wiped it out through the the woman's movement, Mm -hmm. you know, And, and I appreciate the work these women have done. I'm not saying that at all, but what I'm saying is like, we, we've wiped out parts of us that are very important you know, so, so yeah, when, when there is that real feminine woman and it's just, I mean, I think that's part of the reason Miss Jules is, was so successful is because I embraced that a hundred percent and then still had the restrictions of you can't touch this. And that's, <laughs> that's where the power is. And, and the thing about being a pole dancer, you know, there, there was always the stigma to being a pole dancer, but the truth of the matter is there is such athleticism and core work that goes into that, that mm-hmm. you can't sit there and just say, Oh, well, and a lot of the women that have done it have busted their asses and made it, made something of themselves. Yeah. Yes. There were a couple of them that were running businesses while I was dancing. One of them had a shoe business. And I mean, it's just, it's amazing. People are always like making bikinis and that kind of stuff. These are entrepreneurs. Um, just caught up in society's, you know, chaos of norms. And that's the thing. If we can get out of, and we've talked about this before, I know you and I did too. And I've talked about it. The whole fact that we have so many labels, why do we need these labels? There's no reason for it. Why do you put a label on somebody? Do I? What? Just answer the question then. Why do we do it? Because it's expected. That's the way society has always been. I mean, we've taught, I've done research and we used to not look at race, but back, I think it was during the potato famine, they started creating the race card because it ended up, we had everybody going against the government. So if we start dissecting and grouping you and put you guys against each other, you guys are going to be too, too busy fighting each other to pay attention to what we're doing. And mm-hmm. you still see that out. That's the still, still the same tropes play out nowadays because we divide and conquer. And then we, the, the media gens it up and then we're so busy arguing about our points of view and social media has helped us along that mm-hmm. we're not going to really pay attention to what's going on. The big picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, and like when it comes to marriage and, and, we, we claim that it's all statistical, that we need all this scientific data. Why do you need to know that my husband died and now mm. I'm labeled a widow? I didn't, I ch- went from divorce back to single. I didn't say I was a hot uh-huh. to trot divorcee. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also if, if, if we're not worried about race, then why are they on job applications? That's exactly it. I mean, it's, it's become yeah. 
what started what it started out was this way and then now we put it this way and now we even divide it even more to okay we have now your sexual orientation now we have your marital status now we have do you have children it's all these encroaching into your your business that mm-hmm. is it really worthy do you really need to know is it going to change everybody's life that i i am this orientation is it going yeah. to change your life if i'm married yeah yeah it's very invasive. Mm-hmm. It's very invasive. And I'll even catch myself where I will, I will come up against one of the stigmas I believe, or I've been programmed. And that is the most humbling moment by all means where it's like, shit, Jules, you're, you're doing it yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, okay. That's somebody else's. That's not mine. That's not what I see. That's not what I believe, but just how quickly it's, you know, I think the, the mind is programmed to do that, right? Like it's always finding a solution, 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 right? It's because we need to exist. But unfortunately. Well, and that goes back to we need that to exist. So what makes our existence important? Well, I can sit here and label myself. If I label myself with all the career paths that I've had, with all the the marriages I've had with all the family members that I've had, then I am showing my worth, whether it's materialistic or mm-hmm. by our, our, it's feeding our ego in a way, because yes. I can sit here and say, I did this, this, and this, yep. but is it really who I am? Uh-huh. It's parts of who I am, but you know, it's like when somebody says, so what do you do for a living? What does it matter? Do you want to know me for me? Or do you want to know me because of my job? Mm-hmm. That reminds me of when you go see a speaker. They get up behind the podium and they're like, hi, I'm Jules, blah, 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 doctor of that, 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 that. And they tell all about themselves. Same with when you go and you're, you're having a class at college. Mm-hmm. They tell all about themselves. Okay, well, I'm not going to have an opinion of you because you just gave it to me. Right. Like you've just given me your box. Right. Yeah. And now, too, people ask me, you know, like they'll ask what my husband does and then they'll ask me what I do. And I just jokingly say, I take care of him. Like I do him. <laughs> like stop asking stupid questions when you're yeah. doing business. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just this big picture where it's like, we look out and, and I've talked about this. We look at the freaking cover of the book. We don't read the blurb. And that's really what we are. We are all a book cover. And when you think about it, we don't mm-hmm. turn it over. We don't take the time to invest and say, okay, who are you really? Mm-hmm. Who, what is in your heart? Not what your career is, not what you, granted, you can tell me all about that, but I want to know the person who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Not the hats you wear. Right. Yeah. Big difference. And, but and again, it, people don't go there. No. That, that's a scary spot. That's going inward. Oh yeah. And the thing <laughs> is for you as a person, if you identify so wholeheartedly with that hat, mm-hmm. when you lose that hat, Suddenly your whole identity, your ego, your id is going to crack because then you're like, what am I now? Exactly. Yeah. And I think that it reminds me of the generations where, you know, the, the, the husband would go off and he, you know, he was the CEO or, you know, something high end that brought in all the money. I mean, so it was like the part of like the household, like Mm -hmm. maybe that's it, you know, and now it seems like with women, I don't think as women, we say, what do you do? No. We, we don't, that's, that's, it feels like that falls more on like the, the male side of it. So perhaps that again is part of the yesteryear that's hopefully dying out. We do have dads who stay home now, 
Mm-hmm. And, and nurture children, or we do have, you know, dads who are teachers and dads who are nurses. And so maybe as we keep bleeding that with these authentic people who have the guts to stand up and be like, nah, this is who I really am. You know, those are all the the shakers, shakers and makers in the world. <laughs> well, and if you think about it, let's go back to the 19, you know, the, the stock market crash back then. All these people that had affluence that were millionaires started taking their lives. Is that because suddenly they weren't, you know, all they saw was that they weren't going to be who they were. So they had to take themselves out. Is that because they were so entrenched and enmeshed in that idea of who they were? I think pride for the masculine is very large. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very big thing. Um, Yes. I'm just thinking of my husband and some of, of his behaviors and pride is definitely part of his makeup. I don't know if that is a product of the masculine or if that's a product of our society that I don't know, but it's definitely prevalent within him. What's, you know, I know, um, I know for some cases, like you see murder suicides and my Mm -hmm. half sister, I don't know the facts of what happened, but I know that my half sister was murdered by her husband. Their two kids were killed and then he turned the gun on himself. Now a lot in a lot of cases like this, you you are dealing with somebody that the man feels that well if i can't take care of them then nobody can take care of them so i'm going to take them all out and that's, that's what that, my dad did exactly and that then yeah you were talking about and that's yeah. the whole pride thing that's yeah. the whole pride like if i can't take care of her and shelter her and provide for her i can't leave her here by herself yeah and it, it's 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 flawed thinking but I think that's generational. I was talking to a healer today earlier, which I was like, this is going to be the wildest day. Cause I'm talking to a metaphysical healer and then I'm talking to a dominatrix. Um, but it was <laughs> we're like, all in the same vibe, just different exactly. titles. <laughs> it, it was just, it's one of those things where it's like, we, we have this cellular DNA placed on us from our grandparents and our family mm-hmm. and way down our lineage. And we don't realize that. So some of those no. actions keep getting perpetrated. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't even realize. No. 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 That one's, I think, is going to be much past my lifetime mm-hmm. that, uh, that we actually start looking at uh, energetically um, how things are passed down. Um, and also, like, even DNA. I mean, chemically, things are, you know, passed down. She was talking about an article that she read about a cow, that if you put a baby cow by an electric fence, that, and this a neuroscientist did the study, that the baby cow would not, would come close to the fence, but not cl- that close because it would recognize from its prior oh, DNA its ancestors. Yep. that that was dangerous. Yeah. That's so powerful stuff mm-hmm. to think that because mm-hmm. I'll talk to some of my, my black friends sometimes and they're like, Jules, no. I'm like, why do you, why do you talk that way? Why do you limit this? Why do you limit yourself to that? And he's, she's like, you just don't understand. And I'm just like, but that's not how it is right now where you and I are sitting, you know? So it's kind of like, I don't, I'm not seeing what you see. Right. But it's kind of like, we're in a restaurant and she, the comment was that, well, I'm the only one in here. I'm the only black one in here. It's like, okay, I'm the only femdom in here. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, so it's really hard for me to chew on that because it's like, again, I, I mean, I took what I had and I crashed the crap out of it and, and shoved it in the ground and started over. Right. But, so but that's, that's 
that's me. So for me to hear somebody say something like that, I'll be like, well, just change it. But again, I realize things are generationally deep. And that makes me sad. There's so much imprisonment. I I have uh, an African-American friend who she was driving her car to work. It was five in the morning and this cop pulled her over and said she made an illegal lane change. And she's like, no, I didn't. And this is the same person who says to her, says to her son when he's like, I want a red convertible. She's like, you can't have that. You're going to end up dead. So anyway, the cop pulls her over. They ended up calling, I think, three other squad cars. The command had to come out. This was like two hour event. They accused her of stealing the car at one point. Oh, jeez. And she's like, I really thought I was going to die. And then the, finally, the, the squad leader came over and they released her without a problem and said everything was a misunderstanding. But can you imagine being put in that situation? Because, And I mean, I, I get my when I've been stopped once or twice, I've gotten upset. I mean, I had a cop when I was driving through Missouri, pull me over and he actually asked me to get into the front of the squad car. And every one of my friends has told me, oh, you could have got out of that ticket. I was a nervous wreck. I was crying. Mm-hmm. I had, and I even asked him when the first time he got a ticket was, but I had no intention. I'm sure he thought maybe I would have taken care of certain things to get out of the ticket, but that wasn't who I was. But mm-hmm. what cop does that? What cop puts a person in the front seat of their car? Yeah. So uh. I mean, when you look at the situation, it's like, when I, I understand where your friend was coming from, because for you and I, we don't necessarily have that stigma. But mm-hmm. for them, I mean, I, at one point in my childhood, I, when we lived with my grandmother, I was the only white kid in the neighborhood. And that was okay. I enjoyed my friends. I, I played stickball with them out in the street until, you know, it was dark. However, when my grandpa died, my mom got us out of that neighborhood so quick. And in my mom, because now I know, looking back as an adult, when we moved into our neighborhood in Shreveport, she's like, well, you can't go to that school. Why? It's a bad school. But I could work at the McDonald's there, but I couldn't go to the high school there. And we lived in the neighborhood. So she got me a fake address, which is totally illegal. But at the time, yeah. I didn't know any better. Yeah. But, but that's, that's, that's racial prejudice. And it's still, unfortunately, I thought it was moving along in the 80s that we weren't going to deal with it. But it's very mm. much still true, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, doing, I guess, our part. I don't know if it's enough of a part. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but I have to believe that we're planting seeds. I have to believe that. Well, and how much history have we not heard about like Central Park? I mean, you know, I always thought Central Park was Central Park and Oklahoma and all these things that we've heard. And I remember the same lady I was talking about. She was the nurse at the dialysis center where my husband got to. And she was telling me how, Growing up, they had a different national anthem at their school. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And true fact, there is a different national anthem. For really? African-American schools, there was a different national anthem. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I had no idea. I, I was surprised when I found out. So, I mean, there's so much that we don't know because, dare I say, history has been whitewashed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and how this got onto this conversation from Dominatrix. <laughs> Not quite sure. Someone needs a beating. 
<laughs> oh, that could be construed the wrong way. All right, I'll take it back. Okay. All right. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad you came on again. I, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Enjoyed it. It's always good chatting with you. So I thank you. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Miss Jules, you know, I learned a lot. Um, I think it is a lot about female, female empowerment. And, you know, that's something that as a species, as a sex, I think that we need to embrace both the masculine and the feminine. And we can, we can love ourselves for both. You know, is it wrong that a guy can cry and break down? No, it's not. In fact, I think it shows more courage that they're in touch with their emotions than keeping them bottled up. Because believing, leaving your emotions bottled up, whether you're a male or a female, eventually they're going to come out. And sometimes when those emotions come out, they don't come out in the most positive ways. So you need to figure out how to let your emotions out and you need to find that safe space. You need to find a partner that you can do it with because it's important. It's important to be truthful and live an honest life for yourself. Now, is being a dumb something you want to do? If you have the right partner, I'm sure. And if you want to be a submissive, you can find the right partner with that if you're not willing to explore it in your relationship. But I think if we're more honest with ourselves about what we want in our relationships, as well as what we want in our life, we can create that. We can create what we need and what we need to fulfill us. Because a lot of the times we just go through life going, okay, I'll just do this and I'll take that. But the thing is, we need to fulfill ourselves, fulfill our needs and take care of ourselves. And while that may seem selfish, the thing is, if we are functioning at our highest vibration, our highest level, then it's much easier to take care of everyone else that we need to and care about them. You know, it's the whole oxygen mask thing. You know, if the oxygen mask drops down, put yours on first before you help someone else. You can't help somebody if your vibration is not the same as theirs. So, Try to take care of yourself, heal yourself, and empower yourself because it's important. And on that note, as always, the podcast is brought to you by Kitty Mystic for Intuitive Tarot Readings and DM Needham, author of, which is me, author of My Days with the Dark Muse, which is a dark, gritty rock book. It's a bass player's journal that can be kind of naughty at times. And Love is Worth Waiting For, which is romantic suspense, a rock star romance that has a little spice to it. And our sound, as always, is done by Rich Zai of 30 Year Audio Productions. So that is all the scoop there. However, we still have a little bit of more business. If you want to leave a review, go to Podchaser or Apple, applepodcast.com. And if you want to leave me a question, comment, concern, or you would like to be a guest on the show, please drop me a line at Donna, D-A-U-N-A, at better2podcast.com. That's Donna at better2podcast.com. And if you need to catch up on an episode, besides all the platforms that we're located on, you can do so by going to better2podcast.com. All our social media links are there. And if you want to know who the upcoming guests are, you can find that at dmneedham.com and go under the tab for better2podcast. <sighs> yes. And let's see. Oh, and hmm, I think that's about it for today. Yeah. 
So whenever you're listening to this, whether it be the evening, the day, or the weekend, I hope you have a wonderful time and I hope you enjoy the show and I'll catch you next time, guys. Bye. The Better Two Podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Rich Zai of Third Ear Audio Productions. 